In this episode, I reflect on what I've learned over two years of podcasting. Welcome to Bite Me, the show about edibles where I help you take control of your high life. I am your host, Marge, and I want to say thank you for listening and lending me your ears because if it wasn't for you, I would never have made it to episode 101. And that's where we're at right now. This is episode 101. And it's taking me two years to get here. Now, before I get into this week's episode, I just want to give a quick shout out to Wayne from New York, who said he had recently discovered the podcast not long after it went legal in the state of New York. So congratulations to all of all of you out there who are living in the state of New York, that you can now enjoy legal cannabis. How exciting is that? And I think there's some other states that have followed suit in quick succession, if not before New York, but it's always nice to see more places adopting legal cannabis because it's high time. We all had that access, isn't it? In any case, the reason I'm shouting out Wayne is because he generously gave some cookies to me via buy me a cookie. And I just want to say thank you for that donation. It really means a lot because it's little donations like that, or when folks use my affiliate links that really help support the show and allow me to keep doing what I'm doing. Because there are always things that I'm working on. And to be honest, this stuff isn't free to run. There's always monthly costs for the hosting for my website for the podcast host for Oh, the list goes on and on. And I also happen to be saving up for a new laptop as well, because the old MacBook Air, as much as I love it, is starting to show her age a little bit. And this model is a 2014 model. It's still running pretty good, actually. So I do have time to save up. But in any case, it's little gestures like this from folks out there donating their hard-earned cash that really allow me to continue what I'm doing and feel good about it too, because I know that you're out there listening and enjoying the show. So thank you, thank you, thank you. It means so much. Now, I just wanted to take this time for this episode because I have been podcasting now for two years, and sometimes it kind of boggles my mind because when I first started this show all those years ago, it was the month of June. And I didn't know exactly where this was going to go. Of course, who can ever foresee the future? Show me the person that can and I'll show you (laughs) a millionaire, I guess. But um, I started and I wasn't really sure where it was going to go. But I did know two things. One, that I loved podcasts. I still do love podcasts and I am a regular consumer of podcasts. And two, that I loved making edibles And edibles was probably my preferred way to get high. Even now, after a year at working the dispensary, I think I still prefer the edibles high over smoking, even though there are advantages sometimes to the quick onset of your your smoking high. So I didn't know where it was going to go, but when I started out, the show was not weekly. It was more like bi-monthly, perhaps, or no, not bi-monthly. I don't really recall the exact schedule. I don't think there was an exact schedule. That's why. So they might've come out every couple of weeks or every two or three weeks, sort of for the first few months. And I started the podcast in June. And I think by the end of the summer, I had gotten my first message from a listener and it told me that perhaps I was onto something with this show. And it was in the fall after that summer that I decided to go weekly with my episodes. And I think for me, that really changed the game because committing to a weekly schedule 
and telling myself that I had to have it out at 8am Eastern Standard Time every Thursday really forced me to adhere to that schedule because A, I knew at least one person was listening because they had emailed me. And two, it just helped me stay consistent and allowed the people who were listening that consistency and they knew when to expect it and and what time to expect it. So it was sort of a mutually beneficial thing that allowed me to push forward. And that consistency has really made all the difference in my ability to keep coming out with new episodes every week, even when things get super hectic around my house. So I have learned quite a bit from this two years of podcasting, and I sort of jotted down some notes, and these are in no particular order. They just sort of came to me, and I'm going to share these with you. And of course, I would love to hear back from you. If there's anything in this show that you've heard or you haven't heard that you would like to see, recipes you'd like me to cover, content, guests that you would like to see, I'm always open to feedback and suggestions. I love hearing from listeners. So by all means, please hit me up at bitemepodcast at fastmail.com. And you can also leave a voice message if you so choose as well. So please reach out anytime. I'm all ears. You lent me your ears, I'll lend you mine. (laughs) Ha ha. That's a cheesy little mom joke there for you. In any case, the first thing I have learned over two years of podcasting is that tolerance ranges far more widely than I used to believe. And I used to recommend, and if I go back to some of my old episodes, I might see these recommendations. And one day I'm going to have to start going through some of those back episodes and probably revising or editing some of the things because I'm always learning and growing. But I used to recommend, you know, if you're new to cannabis edibles to start out with about 10 milligrams. And I've realized since then, since those initial days, and I was probably recommending that even before I started the show, 10 milligrams is a low dose for some people. For other people, 10 milligrams is a big dose. And unfortunately, when someone is ingesting edibles for the very first time, you don't know which side of the coin that person is going to fall on. I guess that just stemmed from my own ignorance, perhaps, about how how widely tolerance, tolerances do range. But I've just talked to so many people now via the podcast and also working at the dispensary who have told me five milligrams is my perfect dose. 2.5 milligrams. You would be surprised the number of people that come into the dispensary at work and say 2.5 milligrams is a good dose for them and they can get pretty high from that. You would never expect it. And there's still far more people that find 10 milligrams is a great dose for where they want to be as far as how high they get. And it has nothing to do with your height, has nothing to do with your weight, your gender, um, your tolerance to smoking cannabis. That's a common misconception. They think because, oh, I smoke a ton of weed, therefore my, my tolerance to edibles should also be high. No, that is not true. It has nothing to do with it. I do kind of think that your your tolerance is sort of innate or inborn, and it might vary a little bit depending on how many edibles you are consuming over time. But initially, it is pretty innate. And I have met people that I would never expect to have a low tolerance have one. And so that is the big reason why I do revise my own advice now to start as low as you can possibly go. Sometimes if you can find a one one milligram edible, it's even best to start there 
Because you never know. I mean, that probably does seem far less likely. A two and a half milligram dose is easier to find, but I do always recommend people start there because the, the fact of the matter is, and you guys have been listening to this show for any length of time, you know, you can start low, go slow. You can always eat more. But if you've been eating edibles for any length of time, especially illicit ones, ones you've made or ones you've been gifted from well-meaning friends, overdosing on edibles is definitely not a fun time. And I do know one of the reasons I started making these recommendations too, is I went to a cooking class and I think I covered that at the cannabis cooking company, January of 2020, right before the pandemic hit, unfortunately. So I don't think they've been able to resume classes as of yet. But that is where I first met Tamara Lillian, who's also been a guest on this show. And during the information portion of that cooking class, which was fantastic, she recommended the 2.5 milligram initial starting dose for those who are new to edibles. And I always remember thinking at the time, ah, come on, you know, whatever. But, but since then, I've seen it happen where I've known people, you know, bigger guys who have eaten a 10 milligram edible and been like, you know what, that was too much for me. And so this is a big one, because I've definitely changed my view in this start as low as you can possibly go. And then up your dose only there when you're comfortable. Next, You can find a way to infuse almost anything. Because I started this podcast, I mean, I probably would have discovered some of this beforehand as well, but I was making a lot of my own edibles, which did tend to lean to the sweet side because of my well-established sweet tooth. But because of the podcast, I've been following a lot of fantastic chefs, amazing cooks, people who just like spending time in their kitchen. And I've been exposed to a far greater variety of infused foods. And holy shit, you can really infuse anything. There is, if there's a will, there's a way. And while some of the traditional stuff might be trickier to infuse or to find a good way to infuse so that you're not going to destroy the cannabinoids in the infusion that you're going to be using, there's always a sauce or marinade or a uh, dip or whatever that you can use with whatever food you're making that can also lend itself to creating that infused dining experience that you're looking for, whether it's, you know, a meal or a snack that you're enjoying. And the, the wonderful thing about that is that you can take whatever cuisine you enjoy. You might have a penchant for a certain type of cuisine, and there is a way to infuse the food that you love, or perhaps it's a baked good or a snack item there's a way to infuse it. You just have to sometimes get a little bit creative. But the wonderful thing about that is when you're hopping on the web and you're surfing and you're looking for recipes, there's if you find something that catches your eye, a type of food that you enjoy, but the website's not showing you like the infused method because it's it's for regular folk. Well, you can get creative and you can infuse it yourself just by swapping out the fat. Usually it's as simple as that. So that really opens up the doors to so many amazing ways to eat infused foods. The industry is rapidly changing. And this I'm speaking specifically about the culinary cannabis industry. Canada has been enjoying legal cannabis for about two and a half years now. There's definitely some issues with the legal cannabis that we have and the sort of the regulations that are surrounding it. They are doing a full review this year. So it'll be exciting to see what they come up with as far as amendments to some of the legislation. One that people are really pushing for is an increase in the dosing of 
of edibles that are currently available on the legal market because they are currently capped at 10 milligrams per package. And I know I just said the low dose is good for new cannabis users, but for those of us who have a higher tolerance, the the cap really doesn't serve that market segment. And I know people that could eat 250 milligrams and still function. That's not me. I start to feel the effects of cannabis when I eat it probably around 15 milligrams. And I can tolerate upwards of 50 depending. I'm going to be pretty couch locked if I'm in the 40, 50 milligram range. And so that's not necessarily something I'm doing all the time, but it is a great, uh, great night's sleep if I've eaten it early enough in the evening. But a lot of people would like to see that change because until that time, the illicit market's always going to be out competing the legal market as far as edibles go. So it's rapidly changing too, because things are changing in the States as more and more States adopt legal cannabis. It's just soon. I mean, how long before the federal government in the U.S. decides to legalize finally, now that it's happening more and more places around the world. And that's going to be a big game changer as well once that happens, because the States is also taking a very different approach to legalization than Canada did. And I know um, I have spoken with some cooks and chefs about some of the exciting things happening in the U.S. with culinary cannabis. And because of all the change that's happening just in Canada and in U.S. and other parts of the world, there's more and more people becoming really interested in culinary cannabis, which means it's going to increase the likelihood of infused dining experiences, lounges, infused food available outside of your house. And, you know, not just relegated to dispensaries. So exciting times ahead, my friends. Not only is the industry rapidly changing, but drinks are going to be the next big thing. And they already are sort of a big, a big um, segment of the, of the edibles market, I guess you will, uh, you could say in the dispensary where I'm working, the, the new selection of drinks coming out is increasing. We started out with a small handful of drinks and then it wasn't too long before we had to buy another fridge to hold all the ones that were, that we were coming out with. And they are getting sophisticated in large part because they are meeting market demand. And a lot of people have said, Hey, I don't want super sugary cannabis drinks. I just picked up four from the store last week, new ones that I wanted to try. All of them were sugar free. And I was really impressed by the taste and the flavor. Now they were sparkling water based. So if you're not a fan of sparkling water, you might be less inclined to enjoy those ones. But there were certainly other selections available that did have sugar in them. I'm just doing this whole 30 at the time of this recording. So I was trying to avoid the sugar. Um, But they brought in another one that I'm going to be trying. This one did have quite a bit of sugar in it, though. And it was a cannabis infused beverage. Paired with a non-alcoholic uh, rosé spritzer wine, which was pretty interesting. And one of my coworkers said it tasted fantastic. There's also a non-alcoholic beer that we carry. And I think one of the great things about cannabis beverages is because it helps bridge the gap between those who are drinking alcohol and those who are enjoying cannabis. And I don't know if you've ever been in a social situation where everybody is drinking, but you are abstaining for whatever reason. Well, here's a way to sort of have a nice tasty beverage in your hand that might give you some mildly intoxicating effects and you can feel like you fit in because a lot of the times those drinkers out there don't always like to drink. 
or they just, or rather what I say is they really like to share in the vibe that they're feeling. And sometimes it can make people who aren't drinking feel a little uncomfortable. So cannabis beverages are a great way to fill that gap. And I think that you're, we're just going to see more and more exciting drinks coming to the market. I know there's a few that I have seen coming to the market, actually Warren Bobro, who's also been a guest on this show. He is coming out with his own drink, Klaus Apothecare. I think it's been a little bit delayed, probably due to the pandemic, because I think we can blame everything on the pandemic right now. And I'm pretty excited to try that one because that is a cannabis beverage made by a true drink mixologist. I mean, Warren's written books and he is an expert in making drinks. So if I can find a way to get my hands on it up here in Canada, I would love to, but there's lots of exciting stuff coming to the market. Uh, another thing that I've noticed over the last couple of years is that there's lots of room for people to get involved in the cannabis industry specifically to in the edibles industry. And it doesn't just have to be with, you know, making edibles, because that is certainly one way to go out and to try and make a living. It's hard work, of course, anytime you're in any kind of food business. And I do recall Kina telling me in an episode that the edibles space is double regulated. You have your food regulations, which are already pretty strict, and then you have your cannabis regulations, even stricter. So combined, that can create a lot of red tape. So you have to really love what you're doing. But fortunately, there's other ways to get involved. You could create a podcast like this one. Okay, maybe don't do that. Or you could create a, uh, perhaps a commercial kitchen space where people can come in and create edibles. Or you could be an advisor. You could, I don't, I'm actually really uh, an employment expert, but sometimes you just have to think outside of the box. And that is one reason why I went with the, the podcasting space. One, because of course I loved podcasts. And I don't think you can really have a weekly show without enjoying podcasts as a medium, but two, because I knew I wasn't really sure I wanted to get into creating edibles for the market because that just seemed like a few more hurdles than I was willing to take on. But for somebody out there who is, who is excited about that prospect and has the right team around them, that is certainly something you can do. And that is something that if you recall, Cult Organics is also working on right now. And I'm sure there's lots of other edibles companies out there doing the same. And there's lots of room for all kinds of people and all kinds of voices in the cannabis industry, in the edibles space. And I think it's also crucial because the wider diversity of voices and, and people that we have, the better, because we're going to be serving more people that way. This is one that I find really important. Cannabis people are the nicest people you'll meet. And after two years of doing this podcast, I have seriously met some of the nicest people. And it's the listeners, in large part, the people who are listening to this show. Any of you who have ever reached out to me have had nothing but kind words. And I really appreciate that because it is a thing to put yourself out there. I've probably avoided it for most of my life because it's scary. Sometimes it's really scary when you're putting yourself out there, you're making yourself a little bit vulnerable. And anybody who's ever reached out to me has been more than kind. And that's really restoring my faith in humanity. And also the guests who have appeared on my show as well. Some of the people, I shouldn't say some, the people who have come on my show as guests have been fantastic. And not only because they are unique 
and they have interesting things to say, and they're intelligent, and they are putting great work out into the world, which is why I was attracted to their work in the first place, but because they're willing to take a shot on a small podcast. I mean, I am far from, I don't know, insert name of famous podcast here. I am not that person. I am really in the grand scheme of things a nobody. I just happen to be somebody that loves edibles like you do and the people and the guests as well because the people I talk to, of course, are edibles lovers themselves. And they said, hey, you know what, Marge, I would love to come on your show. And for them to take that leap of faith and to trust that I was going to do a good job with the interview and take time and care to make sure it was done right it really means a lot. And so yes, the people that I've met so far via the podcast and the cannabis industry have been simply amazing. And honestly, after two years, I have gotten no hate. And perhaps that means I haven't made it yet. Perhaps it doesn't. What does it really mean? What I do know is that cannabis people are cool people. So keep on smoking, you guys keep on eating. Another thing I've learned through two years of podcasting is that there's many ways to learn a skill. And that's the same with edibles. And for some of you, perhaps that's listening to a podcast and taking some notes and trying it out later. Perhaps it's finding a video on YouTube. Perhaps it's taking a course or just spending some time in a friend's kitchen, watching the process happen. And Sometimes I feel like when you take a multi-pronged approach to learn something new, it can really help solidify the skills that you are using. And I know that before the pandemic, I was into making some bread and I didn't do all the time because I tended to bake some real bricks. And what that meant is I would make a loaf of bread. I would put in all the time and energy. I'd bake it. It would smell amazing. I would cut it open, be thoroughly disgusted with the poor quality of the bread that I was making, eat a couple of slices because I didn't want to waste the ingredients and then probably end up composting the whole loaf because it was really, in reality, unedible. Well, I just, I just, all I had to do was read up on some articles. There was a few key points that I was missing that I learned after the pandemic. I had more time to sit down and look at some of the information out there. I read a couple of articles and now my bread is the envy of the block. Okay, well, maybe not, but I do get requests all the time for my bread. Okay, that doesn't really happen either. Although my kids do ask me to make them loaves of bread. That is true. They do ask me to make them loaves of bread if I'm coming over. And I happily oblige when I am able because now my loaves of bread barely last. Instead of me composting whole loaves, they're saying, when's the next one coming? Because it's been eaten so quickly. And really, it was just a matter of finding some new information and trying out some new stuff. So if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, but you haven't actually made anything yet, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Just do it. You won't regret it. Attitude is everything and love what you do. Well, if, if that isn't true, and I could insert that cliche, if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. Well, I mean, there's a lot of truth to that. There's also a lot of bullshit with that one too, because I do work in a dispensary and sometimes, you know, sometimes you're reminded that as much as I love my job, sometimes it still is a job. However, I never really feel that way when it comes to the podcast and maybe because the podcast is my baby, the show is completely controlled by me. There's nobody telling me what I have to do when I have to do it. I dictate all, I am queen of my domain So I really do believe that if you love what you do, you never do work a day in your life. So 
when it comes to my show, that is 100% true, even though I don't really get paid the same way for that. But one day I will, hopefully. However, I love making this show. And that's why I show up every single week. And attitude is everything. So if I wasn't enjoying the process, because that's a big thing too, I can sit down and record. But what happens between that recording and it going live on a Thursday morning, there's a lot of things that happen in between there. And I happen to really enjoy that part of the process as well. Because if I didn't, it would make it way more of a chore. And I probably would have given up a long time ago. And that's why I show up every single week for you guys, because I enjoy it. I enjoy the process. Another thing that I've learned, and this is a a cliche that you might be familiar with, but I use it a lot. I'm just going to say it and leave it right there for you to consider and see how you can adopt it into your own life. Ask for forgiveness, not for permission. Another thing I've learned, some things will make you uncomfortable. And I think this bears out most often when I am going to have a guest on my show. To date, because of the way when I started my podcast, I think I started my podcast June 2020. And then I had my first guest on that fall 2020. And I'm trying to remember sort of when I had the next guest, but it wasn't long after I had those first couple of guests that the pandemic hit. And so I've never actually been able to interview anybody live, although I'm getting a little closer. I mean, the recordings I'm doing, the last few I've done, I have software now where I can see the person I'm talking to, but I'm not recording that part because again, that's a, that's a thing with my aging computer. I can't record both at the same time, the video and the audio, but I, it's not really necessary anyway. But that part made me uncomfortable. Having me on camera just talking to somebody was something that I really had to overcome, but I did in time because I felt it was better for the interview and just to be able to connect with people because like um, like many, it's you know, it's been a weird year and I haven't really uh, been able to hang out with the people like I normally would. So that's one thing. But the other bigger thing is that whenever I do have a guest on my show, I get so nervous. And I've had actually a couple of people tell me afterwards, after I've interviewed them, like, oh, you were so natural. I was really nervous. And you sounded so calm that, you know, I was able to relax. And to me, that's a huge compliment because if they knew how nervous I was beforehand, <laughs> they probably wouldn't be saying that. Essentially, my secrets are a cup of Four Sigmatic Lion's Mane Elixir. I love that stuff. It comes in little packets. I like to have a hot cup of that before I start an interview because Lion's Mane is excellent for concentration and focus and cognitive cognitive enhancement. And it's completely natural, of course. So I like to drink a cup of that before the show starts. And then usually I take a little bit of CBD oil as well, because my butterflies are just going crazy in my stomach. And I just want to remain calm. But it's that anticipation of waiting for the person to come on. And, you know, a lot of the times when I'm speaking with these people, I've never spoken with them before. And you just never really know. You hope that you're going to vibe well with them because obviously I've connected with these people in a certain way, some way, somehow via Instagram or something, but you're still not sure how the conversation will go. So I get super nervous and that's okay because some things are uncomfortable. And every time I get off one of those interviews, I am so 
so exhilarated and filled with excitement. Usually the first thing I do is call my sister and gosh about how great it went. So some things will make you uncomfortable. And there's even been things that I have talked about on the show that in retrospect have made me uncomfortable sharing, but I felt like it was important to do so in the interest of clarity and being open and honest. And it's something I'm probably always going to have to work on. But sometimes if you're doing something uncomfortable, it means you're doing the right thing as well. And CBD helps a lot and it'll help you ride it out. So if something's making you uncomfortable and you're not in a dangerous situation, ask yourself, is it because you're pushing yourself to do something that you're not used to? If so, you should probably continue. There's more than one way to decarb your weed. Yes, I have learned now over the course of this show that you can decarb in numerous ways. And yes, you can do it in the oven and let your house become fragrant fragrant with the smell of toasted cannabis. For some of us, that's not necessarily a viable option. And it's not always a fun option. I mean, I can do it in my house because it's my house. But, you know, I know my husband doesn't always really appreciate it. And I've had some tenants before complain about the stink of the house. I had one tenant actually one time say, are you baking something? And this was someone who had been in the apartment for like a long time and she never complained about anything until I decarbed that first time. So of course, now you may have heard of weed washing. That was probably my most recent one where you can take sort of your trim or your shake or a lower quality bud. And it's a little bit of a longer process, but you do decarb through this process and it's going to strip the the cannabis of all the the terpenes and the flavonoids and the chlorophyll. So it's not going to have that green taste, but when you're all done, you do decarb it quick in boiling water. So that is one way to decarb. You can do the sous vide method as well. I haven't done that one as much, but that is one way. And it also is scent free. And of course there's devices on the market now. I do believe Magical Butter Machine has a device that will go in the oven that hopefully will trap some of the smell, but it's going to be more precise. And then there's the Ardent uh, FX, I believe, or the Nova. I'm not really sure. I'm not really up on the models, but it is a device for decarbing that will seriously help keep the smell down as well. So more than one way to do a thing, you guys, which really shouldn't be any surprise, I suppose, to any of you. Infusions are everything, If you master these, you unlock the universe. And this is so very true because really infusions are at the heart of everything you're going to do in the kitchen with your edibles. And I've talked to numerous people. This is mostly when I'm getting into conversations with folks who are coming in to check out edibles because like, oh yeah, I make edibles. I just grind up all my weed and throw it right in the mix the brownie mix or the cookie mix or what have you. And I'm always a little aghast at that because I feel like that's a surefire way to not only waste money, reduce potency, but have really shitty taste. That is one way if you want, if that's what you want is your outcome. And for some people, they don't mind the green taste. I don't always really mind the green taste if there's a little bit of that in something that I'm making, but I can only imagine if you're throwing it right in your brownie mix or whatever, how green it's going to be. But there's also the fact that when you decarb, you help to increase the potency and you're going to make that, that precious weed go a little bit farther. And whether you're growing this stuff yourself or not, If you're buying the weed, you're getting it from a friend or you're growing it, there's a cost to that. And why not maximize the cost by doing it 
the right way. And infusions, I mean, that there's such a long list of things you can infuse. Of course, your mainstays are going to be likely your coconut oil, butter, olive oil, and honey. I'd love to have those infusions on hand most of the time. I don't always do butter because I tend to use coconut oil in place of butter more often than not. But I love having also olive oil and honey infusions all the time. And of course, having alcohol infusions are very handy too, but you can infuse ghee, you can infuse salt, you can infuse sugar, you can infuse cream. What else can you infuse? I'm not sure, but there's not too much else other than those things. Oh, well, you could infuse coconut oil or not coconut oil, avocado oil, which would be very nice. I have infused MCT oil. Um, and there's all kinds of things you can infuse. And then you can use those to make your favorite dishes, your favorite snacks and unlock the universe, like I said. And I think this is one of the most important things that I've learned over the last two years. You don't need to be a professional to make fantastic edibles. Honestly, you can be at any skill level. If you just learned to boil eggs last week, you could still figure out how to make a really decent edible. They don't need to be fancy. You just need your basics. You need to know how to decarb. You need to know how to infuse coconut oil. And then you need to know how to take that coconut oil and put it in something as simple as a box mix for brownies or cookies or muffins. That's it. You don't need a lot of skill to make excellent edibles at home. You just have to have a little bit of patience and a little bit of interest because, of course, calculating your potency is also a pretty crucial step, more so if you're going to be giving them away to anybody. If you're planning on eating a whole batch of something to yourself, not as important if you have a sort of a benchmark, but it's always a good idea to sort of know what you're working towards or what you're working with. But you don't need to be a professional. And while it's certainly nice to go on Instagram or Facebook or whatever the case might be and see what the professionals are creating because they're always making beautiful things and coming up with interesting flavor pairings and plating and beautiful photos and all that kind of stuff. And I'm sure it tastes as delicious as it looks. It's always inspiring to see what these professionals are doing. You don't have to have that type of skill in order to do something equally as effective and delicious at your own house. All you need to do is keep listening to this podcast and you'll be plenty inspired to try new things, right? I hope you will join me for the next 100 episodes. It's been a real fun ride for these last couple of years. And I'm certainly looking forward to hearing from more of you learning what makes you tick, what you're interested in learning about. And I am super excited to be learning right along with you. I was thinking the other day that I wish I could talk to my mom about a lot of this stuff. Now, my mom was not a big fan of me smoking weed in uh, high school way back in the day, but a lot of time, you know, a long time has passed since those days. And I hadn't started the podcast, hadn't really thought about it at that point when my mom passed away about four and a half years ago. But I suspect, I mean, I know her attitudes were changing about a lot of things as she was getting older, getting into her later years. And the one thing I did take from her, though, is that she was always learning new things. And that was one of the things that I really loved about my mom is that she was a curious person. And she took a lot of interest in what the people that she loved, the people around her were doing. She was always asking a lot of questions to find out more. But she took a lot of interest in learning new things herself. And I think she would have been really interested in what I'm doing here. 
And between the podcast and working at the dispensary and everything I'm learning there and the Gangier uh, Cannabis Sommelier Certification Program that I'm currently enrolled in, I am looking forward to learning more and more and sharing it with all of you. And I hope that you will be along for the ride and that you'll be learning right there with me because I think it's going to be fun. Next week, you guys, I have another fun episode and it is with another guest. Don't tell them how nervous I was before that one started. But in any case, it was a fun conversation. I think you're going to enjoy it. But in the meanwhile, my friends, you know what to do. Make some great edibles and stay high.